first learned about this seven years ago. On a mission in Brazil to capture a wanted fugitive. When we got there, it tore through our unit in seconds. The target had superhuman abilities. It had the same marking you do, Cole. It's a birthmark. What do you mean? He was born with it. It's not a birthmark, Cole. It means you've been chosen. Throughout history, different cultures all over the world reference a great tournament of champions. That dragon marking? I think it's an invitation to fight for something known. Mortal Kombat. These are your champions. I'm Sonya. That's Kano. I'm Liu Kang. Name's Jax. Kung Lao. Lord Raiden. The fate of Earth is in our hands. No matter how many of my people you put in the ground, we will not fail. Kill them. Fucking beauty. Welcome to the Strange Harbors Podcast, a weekly discussion of film, television, and pop culture. My name is Jeff Zhang, and tonight I'm joined by Ray and Derek Wong. So tonight we're discussing director Simon McCoy's R-rated reboot of Mortal Kombat, which is now streaming on HBO Max. We all saw this on HBO Max. I was actually very, very excited for this movie, and my expectations were pretty much on the ground. I just wanted to see something bloody. I wanted to see something mindless. I wanted to see something fun. And I wanted the action to be well done. I didn't give a shit about the story. I mean, it's Mortal Kombat. It's a fighting game, right? Like, who cares? This did not clear my very, very low bar. I'm sorry to say. (laughs) Opposite the Snyder Cut here, huh? Yes. That's the Levin's test now, right? Is it better than the Snyder Cut? And it is not. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, not nearly. I was also disappointed. I was hoping for a little more, but I think probably not as disappointed as you were. It wasn't good. It wasn't the reboot we were all hoping for, which is weird to say, right? Because it's not like the original is like a classic. I don't even know if it's a cult classic. It's just something that people look back on with some kind of fondness. I would say it's a cult classic. I feel like that qualifies. Yeah. You think so? I, I would qualify it as that, too. Okay. All right. I love that janky-ass movie. If that's the case, then, the, yeah, this definitely does not live up in any way. It's, like, it's like longer but somehow fatter. It's just not as good. Oh, well, we'll get into it. What do, what do you think, Derek? Let me set the stage here a little bit, right? 
This is based off Mortal Kombat, which is a 1992 video game franchise. It was very popular back in the Super NES, uh, Sega Genesis slash, you know, arcade generation, right? It has lived on as a video game. It is, you know, started in 992, but the latest game came out in 2019. There's been 11 different iterations of the Mortal Kombat game. Only 11? Really? Well, there's like 11 of like Mortal Kombat's, and then I think there was like a couple extra like asides of like weird like side scrollers. The, the Sub Zero RPG yeah, game. Yeah, the Sub Zero yeah, RPG yeah. game. It was really weird. That was pretty good. And then, of course, in 1995, we got. The original Mortal Kombat movie, right? Uh, a Paul W.S. Anderson. Is it Paul W.S., right? I, I don't want to say yeah, the Yeah, Paul W.S. Anderson. Uh, Paul W.S. Anderson movie, which I qualify as a, a cult classic. I, I fucking love that shit, right? I, I think that was... It came out during a time where like that was exactly what I you know loved in my childhood was... Yeah, you're like 10, right? When yeah. When this came out, like, something yeah. like that. 9, 8, 10, something like that. Yeah. You're in that it's range. It's a video where... game about Mortal Kombat. You know, they say... Words like fatality and, and finish him and, and, and they had fatalities and they had freaking Sub-Zero and, and Scorpion in their very, very iconic and also very video game accurate cheesy costumes. And that movie is like filled with camp, right? It's great. And then, you know, of course, we got Annihilation, which wasn't great. We talked about it before, but there's like a couple web series here and there that, you know, really sparked more interest in Mortal Kombat the last couple of years. Last year, actually, came an animated movie called I think it was like Mortal Kombat, like Scorpion's Revenge. You know, I watched it and it's actually not bad. Pretty good. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, and this is where the episode's going to end because we're actually not going to get into the main topic of talking about Mortal Kombat because that's exactly what this dumbass movie does, right? <laughs> <laughs> is tease the idea of Mortal Kombat and then not even give it to you. There's no Mortal Kombat in Mortal Kombat. That's the first hurdle, right? We're going to get into a lot of the specifics, but I think out of the three of us, I'm probably even lower than Jeff probably is. I don't know. I don't know if that I can be. I don't know. Let's, we'll fight. Uh, <laughs> let's fight <laughs> about this because this movie was atrocious. One of my friends was like, oh, it's on HBO Max. Should I watch it? I was like, no. Just don't even waste your time, right? It, it's as simple as being on a streaming service already, and, and that should be the easiest way for me to to uh, recommend that to somebody, and I, I still can't do that. Right. Again, a, ver- a very low hurdle to clear. It's Yeah. You've already paid for it. All you have to do is click and stay in your home and, and still. Last thing I was going to say is just that I think, you know, I, I understand fan service, but there's, there's different levels of fan service that I think are appropriate, and this is the most kind of superficial that I've seen kind of level of fan service that I really think hurts the movie rather than helps it oh i i 100% agree we can definitely get into specifics that and like say what you want about the 1995 movie that movie does not take itself half as seriously as this and it's just Mm -hmm. more fun for it you know there's a janky charm to the 1995 mortal Kombat. shang sung he's like your soul is mine and then like that delivery is so great that they used it yeah they put it in the games for the games yeah it's so great yeah, if like you don't remember, that actually was not a line in the game. No, it was not. You know, Mortal Kombat 1 and 2, before this movie came out, it was not a line in the game. And it was so good that they put it in the games in the future and then used the likeness of Kerry Hiroyuki Tagawa. Tagawa, thank you. They used his likeness for the game. So that's how iconic that line in that role was. And And the movie had that stupid malfunctioning did not work animatronic goro they had so much trouble with that thing (laughs) but that thing rules it's so cool 
that practical effect, it's like a robot Goro. He's got, like, the forearms, and it's, like, it's not CGI. Yeah, like, 10-year-old me is, like, really geeking out over this. It's cool. And then, fucking Johnny Cage punches him in the nuts, and then he's, like, silver $500 sunglasses. This is the part where you fall down, and he kicks him over the fucking thing. It's awesome. And this movie had none of that. It was so self-serious and so, like... I would say there's one scene that I think is genuinely, genuinely good, and that is the, the leg sweep scene. That, that was, that was hilarious. I, I will give that. That is like the right type of fan service, right? It's cheesy enough, but also like it's a different kind of fan service, right? It's not like it's directly something that comes from Mortal Kombat. It's like this almost analogous to just like fighting games, right? Like the idea of like spamming moves. And, and then one of the famous moves is the leg sweep in Mortal Kombat. I will give it that. I think it's probably the greatest video game movie in joke that ties to the video game like of all time it's it's really good that's probably the movie saving grace i don't know should we give a brief synopsis of this stupid fucking movie yeah so first of all there's like something like 92 mortal kombat characters 97 97 oh wow okay five more than the ridiculously high number that i just made up and they still chose to introduce a new character that they made specifically for this movie. Cole Young, played by Louis Tan. And and I've seen Louis Tan's work before. He's pretty charismatic. He's a good actor. What have you liked him in in the past? What was he in that you liked him in? So there's actually, I think, a story of his that he tells is that he actually tried out to be Iron Fist. Oh, really? Oh, really? And he didn't get it. That would have been better, I think. He's in that oh, show. Really? He's like the drunken fighter in that show. And he's like really good in the show, right? He could have been a good Iron Fist, right? You know, he is half Asian. So I think like the idea of like Danny Rand is supposed to be white. Like that was part of like the discussion back then where it was like, why wasn't Lewis Tan chosen? And like people speculated because he wasn't like completely white. I wanted to go off topic a little bit because I think a lot of people are really mad that like Danny Rand was white in Iron Fist. But I'm Asian. And I'm all for representation, but being white is part of Iron Fist's character. That's, like, Mm -hmm. completely ingrained in that character. I feel like you can't change that to be someone who's Asian. I think that completely rewrites the character. I mean, like, Louis Tan, he's half Asian? Like, does that not count? I don't know. Is it like the being an outsider to Kunlun thing? Yeah, I think. I mean, you can have like a like an American, right? American, yeah, mainland versus Chinese American. That's yeah, true. I guess that's yeah, a point. Yeah. But, like, but no, I get what you're saying, and like it also is a character concept from a particular time, and it's a particular mold. And whether like 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 you don't want to fall into like a white savior trope or whatever, but like that is the original concept, and I kind of give them props for trying. To do the original character in the way of the comics and trying to capture what people like about it before doing a spin on it. Because mm-hmm. I feel like a lot of times with these adaptations, they don't ever really know what's like integral to the character and what's not. So they change things to try and make it like more relevant or like maybe like quote unquote less offensive. But then they ruin something about the character and they don't really know what went wrong. Like I think it takes a very talented creative team who like knows the character really well to know what you can change and what you can't so in a way i kind of laud their conservatism and like uh we don't really know what we're doing let's not change anything now it ended up being a bad yeah. product anyway so i guess who cares but like <laughs> i don't know I, I i i'm kind of siding with you on this i think like 
it makes sense. Like, at least try the original comics Danny Rand. There's something that people like about that character. But yeah, going back to Louis Tan. I mean, he was on that show, Into the Badlands, on AMC. I kind of liked him on, on there. He shows up for like two seconds in Deadpool 2 as Shatterstar. Yeah, as Shatterstar. Right? Yeah. He's got talent there, and, and I don't think any of this talent shown through in this movie. Um, he had fuck all to do, man. And I didn't hate the idea of, like, not using an established Mortal Kombat character as your viewpoint character. Like, I think it's fine that they decide to do their own weird... Oh, for sure. Just do it well. Yeah. So would you say that the first half of the movie worked for you? I won't even say the first half. Because I'm thinking, like, you only really start to be disappointed after it's clear, like, they're not really doing a Mortal Kombat thing, right? Or were you, like, not even enjoying it up through that? I don't care that they didn't do the tournament. I feel like that's kind of a cock tease and, like, it kind of sucks. But, like, if you do it well, there's story to be mined from this premise, where it's Shang Tsung hunting down Earthrealm's champions before the tournament can begin. I think that's cool. Yeah, it's a cool idea. You can do some stuff with that, and they just kind of didn't. You know what? I think I was on board with this movie until they met with Liu Kang, I want to say. Interesting. After the fight with Reptile, I think. My impression of the movie decreased like dramatically as it went on. That's what I'm saying. It's bookended with this awesome fucking sub-zero scorpion shit this iconic rivalry and i want to say that joe taslam and hiroyuki sonata they're the best fucking parts of this movie hands down they just bring that physicality to their roles and they're just playing in a completely different league i think joe taslam more than hiroyuki sonata because he has way more screen time than than scorpion but they're clearly the best parts of this movie, and I think it was a huge disservice not to follow through with the the cold open and, like, that rivalry. I don't know. I don't know if you guys agree, but... I think what you're getting at is also one of my problems with this movie is, yes, in theory, adding a new character is fine. Like you guys said, as long as you do it really cool or it, it makes a lot of sense, this Cole Young character is... A detriment to so many other different characters' arcs in this movie that it's just <laughs> criminal. Interesting. Okay. I mean, Jeff, maybe you can talk to this too because you've seen that animated movie, right? Like, you could have taken a very similar arc of Scorpions in that and kind of applied it here. Instead, he becomes just a MacGuffin, right? He becomes this creature that gets summoned by this blade that Raiden has. Right. Because... We're, you know, we're following Cole and he's kind of our main protagonist and he's the one who has like the family drama and like the, the family at stake in this in this movie. And it's supposed to kind of mirror what happened to his ancestor, right? The Scorpion character. But we, there's no real like arc for Scorpion, right? Because it's not his story that he sets out to get revenge, right? It's more of he gets summoned and he happens to get revenge on Sub-Zero. Like, he's just a product of the story rather than a driving force of the story. Yeah, for sure. And also, the idea that Cole Young is the chosen one is kind of taken from Liu Kang's story. Liu Kang, in, traditionally in the lore, is kind of like the one that is destined to be at Mortal Kombat and destined to win Mortal Kombat, right? He is, he's supposed to be the one that defeats Shang Tsung. He's supposed to be the one that defeats Shao Kahn. And, like, now you've taken that agency from that character and basically given it to this new character. 
and you've given nothing to really do for the Liu Kang character. Yeah. Uh, and I think that character really suffers from it, too. Yeah, I think all the characters just are not very well drawn. I mean, they don't have to be, but they all kind of suck, except for, like, I feel like Josh Lawson does a good job with Kano. Yes, he's very funny. I liked him. You say that the Scorpion uh, Sub-Zero stuff's the best. Honestly, my favorite stuff's the Kano stuff. I thought he was really funny and, and really charismatic. Knew the movie that he was in. Yeah, he brought a little charisma and, like, life to the role. Uh, I thought I thought he was good. I actually didn't love the, like, bookending Sub-Zero Scorpion story, I'll be honest. It seemed like it's a piece of a different, maybe better movie, but it does seem like it's, like... I don't know. I guess they wanted to set up that Cole is like the descendant of Scorpion or whatever and, you know, set up this intergenerational revenge thing. But I guess maybe because it never paid off, I just am like, well, why did you have to do that? You could have had an extra extra time with the character you've chosen to focus on. But that's a problem with the stuff surrounding the Sub-Zero Scorpion stuff. It's not the problem with the Sub-Zero Scorpion stuff, right? So I feel like that makes it like... Like, even you said, it's it's probably part of a better movie. And I just wanted to see more of that. Yeah, no, those are the two best fights in the movie, right? The the first one and, the, you know, the last one. Oh, yeah, for sure. I think that's what you're, you're saying, Jeff. Like, those are good fights that you want to see more of. But I also agree with Amir. Like, they don't add anything. They, not that they don't add anything, but there's, like, no weight to them because they seem so separate from our main cast, right? Except for the just the really superficial connection between Cole and his ancestor, uh, Hanzo, right? Speaking of the fights, this is also a movie which like really suffers from like seeing all the good shit in the trailer. It's true. Because I feel like when I saw the trailer, I was like, oh shit, this is going to be pretty good. Like we saw like, you know, the snippets of that Sub-Zero Scorpion fight at the end. We saw some of uh, the Sub-Zero Scorpion fight from the beginning. We saw like, Jackson Sub-Zero fight. Like, we saw a lot of the coolest bits of the movie in the trailer. Little did we know that it would be all the cool shit. <laughs> yeah. Right, exactly. Like, I think we all went into this thinking, like, oh, there's going to be a lot more of that shit. This movie's going to whip ass. Because as a trailer, it, it, it was fun. But there really isn't that much more of that stuff. The rest of the stuff they didn't show us just isn't that cool. Yeah, the only cool thing I think they left out is maybe that fatality that kung lao does on yeah i liked it the saw blade hat fatality yeah that one was generally cool i thought that was like the best fatality in the movie and i hated that line delivery but still it was it was pretty cool to see that none of the reference lines make sense they don't land yeah make any fucking sense like they're so ham-fisted like shoved in there yeah, it's really awful. Like, it doesn't make sense for fucking Kung Lao to say flawless victory after killing Natara or whatever. Like, why would you fucking say that? Liu Lu- Kang says fatality for Kung Lao. Like, no one talks like that. <laughs> yeah. Like, that's not a, a sentence. That's not a sentence anyone would formulate. It's just like, it's so forced. So forced. Yeah, it's awful. Because th- some of the fatalities are pretty cool, right? They're They're cool, but then they get ruined by these, like, line deliveries that are just so unnatural but before people start like hammering us for like oh why are you watching this for the story and like the dialogue or whatever aren't you here for the fights yep i was about to hammer you for that (laughs) (laughs) before people say that i'm gonna say that these fights are not even that good i'll tell you no it's unfortunate again like joe taslim and hiroyuki sonata they have the best fights but like their martial arts prowess like 
hides a lot of the weaknesses of the fights that you can see more clearly with the other characters. These fights are edited like dog shit. They are so badly edited. So many cuts for no fucking apparent reason. Multiple breaks of, like, the 180 rule. Oh, you know the reason. <laughs> I mean... You want to just say it? I mean, it's because the actors can't fight, and so... Yeah, they you know, can't they're fight. editing it like crazy in order to hide the fact that they can't fight, right? I mean, that's that's it, and that's all. And that's what you'll see in any movie where the actors can't fight is a lot of really deceptive over-editing. Unfortunately, that's what you have to have here. Because you've heard us in the last couple of weeks, we've, we've praised the movies like the Raid movies, right? And even Gangs of London, we've kind of praised... Even though the strength isn't in the story in those properties, it's in the fights. As long as you had really good fights in this, you could have justified like, hey, at least this had good fights, right? But now you don't have good fights and you don't really have good story or character development. Then that's when you can start kind of piling it on. Yeah. There isn't many, or if any, really redeeming qualities to this movie. Like you take all that away, what's left, right? Nothing. What did you guys think of the Sonya Blade Kano fight? The last one? Yeah, in like the trailer and stuff. I think it was dumb. Okay, you didn't like it. This all kind of stems with my issue with the Sonya character and the way the writers have treated her in this movie. Because at a certain point in the movie, she was actually the most interesting character to me, right? The person that didn't have the marking, right? The one that was trying to prove herself in a way. In the end, it just results in a stupid callback to an earlier moment where she, you know, then just takes the gnome and stabs Kano in the eye, and then that's how she gets her marking. Like, I think it would have been so much more interesting for her character if somehow she kind of broke the rule and somehow got a marking or became deserving, even though she didn't have to kill Kano. Oh, see, I disagree i think it's like a perfect like i think she actually kind of has an arc in this movie right like she's like what the only woman in the group pointedly excluded she's like oh you're the woman you can't have a mark i mean they don't say that but i mean i think that's the underlying subtext right like i think this is kind of a supposed to be some kind of commentary on like the way women are mistreated or whatever right like i think that that's supposed to be there's a reason they pick sonya to not have a marking right and then she gets her marking like taking it from, you know, the undeserving traitor Kano, who's always been like her antagonist. So I kind of thought that that sort of little mini arc or whatever worked for me. Like, I think she kind of has like an ABC there. Yeah, I just think that like agency wise, I would have like loved it if she was the exception versus the then just part of the rules. Like she just becomes like another fighter, right? She doesn't become special in that way. Hmm. Where... There's also an issue with, this is just like script writing. There's an earlier scene in this movie, like halfway in the movie, where Liu Kang presents the fighters to Raiden and says, here are the remaining champions of Earth. But at the end of the movie, Lord Raiden says, oh, I'm going to go make a list of some other potential champions. So like, where did these fucking champions come from then? If these were the last ones that you found. So if you had Sonya become a person that was worthy of a marking without killing somebody, then it kind of adds to your story. Like, oh, so that's how Raiden can find more people to become champions that he can use for Mortal Kombat. Versus like this, the, the way they set up the story, it, it closes them off already. 
Dude, I don't think the writers of this movie were like, yeah, even at like one tenth of the level of logic that you have right now. Well, then that's the that's the problem with these <laughs> movies. Like, I just like it just frustrates me. <laughs> Last thing about the stupid Sonya fight is that when you throw alcohol at his laser eye, why doesn't it like set on fire and maybe I don't know burn the fuck out of his face so that maybe if he comes back in the future he needs a faceplate instead of it just right. short circuiting? Like what? logic is that i feel like you thought way too hard about that <laughs> yeah i just think like a lot of people are mad about this arcana stuff yes where it's like oh this was not really a video game mechanic and they brought this in they had to like find their special moves through like motivation and training you know like sonia eventually gets her pink ring blasts kano gets his laser eye Liu Kang already has his fireballs, but, like, Cole has to earn his. People were like, oh, this is stupid. I actually didn't mind it that much. I didn't mind that they had to, like, have their dragon markings, which transferred upon death. I thought that was just fine. That was just basic video game adaptation shit. Yeah, no, because it, 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 I think it's a good idea, because it actually explains, like, how these people have powers, right? Yeah. Like, in the games, they have powers, so, like, it kind of explains it, and I, I didn't mind that. I, yeah, I thought that was thought that was totally fine. I agree with you, Jeff. But what I did mind was that our Jack's Arcana is that his arms just got bigger. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't, yeah, I don't know about that. It's like, what if Jax's arms weren't missing? What would his Arcana be? Would he just become fucking Rick and Ralph, and his arms would just be huge? <laughs> like, because it, it made his skinny metal arms into big metal arms like what if it changed his already big human arms into even bigger human like i just like well probably not i mean i'm just ranting i just think it's so dumb i thought his arcana was just so dumb i, I literally silly. booed out loud <laughs> yeah so i thought what they were going for with the arms is i thought he was gonna take the metal arms off that dude he fought did that guy have metal arms he did i didn't even know i didn't even know i, no, I didn't even know maybe i'm maybe maybe i was hallucinating i thought he did have metal arms um it was the dude with the giant hammer yeah. That he killed in the end? Oh, okay. Yeah, didn't yeah, he? Yeah, I have no idea. I don't, I don't remember. Alright, so like here's another thing. Like the the pacing of this movie is so fucking bad. I would have liked to see some weight with the villains. Goro, you have like Melina and a bunch of these other fucking guys that I don't know what they do. Uh Cabal. But they're never established as a threat. Like, I wanted to see Cabal turn someone into like a Tasmanian Devil Whirlwind like he does in the video games. I want to yeah. see Melina fucking eat someone's face. I want to see Goro rip some dude in half. And they never got to do anything. And then at the end of the movie, it's like, oh, we're gonna go confront Shang Tsung's champions. And they all just die instantly. Those fights sucked. They, they were terrible. There was no tension. They were just dispatched so easily so that we could make room for the Cole and Scorpion versus Sub-Zero fight. Right, yeah. Talking about, like, wanting to see things from the video game suits, like, we're talking about the very last fight between Scorpion and, and Sub-Zero and Cole. Scorpion really only gets his, like, you know, kunai with chain thing versus, like, in the games, he also can, like, teleport, which I thought would have been a really cool thing to see. Because they give that ability to Melina, kind of, right? Because she, like, teleports through, like, these portals. Like, he does basically the same thing. Why not give him more cool things to do rather than just whipping a, a chain around especially for for like such a big character yeah yeah i don't know i mean he did get to breathe fire from his face but 
Well, I was, I was just going to say, they did my fucking dude Goro dirty. Yeah, I'm a yeah. big Goro fan, if you can't tell. Fucking Goro rules. But he sucked at this movie. Shang Tsung sicked him on uh, Cole's family, and he gets taken out like a chump. Cole cuts his hand off, and then, like, slices his stomach open, and it's over. But Goro's the prince of Outworld, man. You gotta, like, give him something to do. Something to, like, chew on, right? Put some fucking respect on his name, man. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, I mean, speaking of, like, Arcana and then, I guess, you know, the whole Cole versus Goro thing, I don't know about what you guys think. I think Cole's Arcana is just so dumb. It is. I know there was, like, a line earlier in the movie where his trainer comes in, or that that fight coordinator comes in, he's like, Cole, you're not fighting. You gotta... You got to do defense and offense if you're going to be fighting. That's literally what his arcana is, right? It's like like a Black Panther suit that absorbs energy and then like that that defense is then transferred into like offense. And then he has like one tonfa that's like blunt and then one tonfa that's a blade and it's like I get it. I think it's dumb. What a mishmash of random shit. Yeah, but it's also, like, he never actually learns the lesson, right? It was setting him up to, like, learn a lesson that maybe he needs to do both. But in the end, he doesn't really learn that lesson. It's just it's just part of his arcana, and I just think that's just a terrible arc for a character. Well, he gets his power, his arcana, by getting hit really hard by Goro, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's his lesson that he learns. It's not like he learns some new self-respect or some shit. He gets fucking yeah. hit by, like, a four-armed uh, golem dude. Like, this, uh, that's it. To be fair, that's consistent. Wasn't that his whole thing as an, as an MMA fighter as well? Just getting his ass beat for no reason? I guess. I do like that line that Kano has where he says, like, oh, maybe Arcana is getting beat by a, a fucking hat. Josh yeah. <laughs> Lawson's lines were, were pretty funny. I thought they were pretty funny. Yeah, Kano was good. I was going to say, going back to pacing, though, I think you're right, Jeff. The fights were all, like, loaded at the end, right? Because it really it goes into the invasion on the temple straight into this montage of taking out all the villains and they go straight into the scorpion sub-zero thing like there is absolutely no time to breathe between these fight scenes and like we lose one of our main characters right uh, mm-hmm. uh, or one of our heroes like kung lao like how does that affect someone like Liu kang that's his cousin right like someone who he looked up to that arc doesn't feel really like fleshed out or satisfying and I think it's so dumb at the end. Again, Liu Kang is like one of the main heroes of this story. And he's just shuffled off to fight like Cabal of all people, right? It's just, mm-hmm. I think it's such a waste of that character. I'm I'm just really struggling to find any like really redeeming qualities about this movie. I really wanted to like this. I think it had great potential. Yeah, I was excited for it. I thought the trailer had me pumped. I was like, okay, this might be good. It was going to be like an upgrade in every way from the 1995 one. It's rated R, for one. It's not PG-13. We're going to get fatalities. Ugh. It was just disappointing, man. It was. If there's a second one, of course it's going to have... I'm, I'm guessing finally we're going to get to the tournament. But, like, I don't, I don't even know if I want to watch a second one of these. The one thing we should talk about is that they're teasing Johnny Cage, right? At the end of this movie. Right, yeah. Potentially one of the more problematic characters, I think, when it comes to his kind of like sometimes his depiction of women, but then also it's a very dated character, right? You know, back in the 90s, it made sense to have this white kung fu action star that kind of mimicked people like Steven Seagal, Jean-Claude Van Damme, 
that doesn't work anymore. So, like, if they were to do a second movie, I'd be interested to see if, like, it's still the same. Like, they don't develop that character in any way. Because if they just keep it that way, it makes no sense, I think. Isn't Steven Seagal still making those shitty movies? <laughs> I feel like you could still do, do, do Johnny Cage as that guy. Maybe. I mean, yeah, I guess you're right. I mean, you still got, like, I mean, he's not a kung fu star, but you got, like, Nick Cage, right? Who's doing, like, straight-to-video. You got Bruce Willis is doing a bunch of straight-to-video. I don't think Steven Seagal's doing anything. You can hire him for this. He could be Johnny <laughs> Cage. <laughs> I would pay to see that shit. The funny thing is, like, I think you could have redid this movie without the Cole Young character. I think, like, we've talked about, like, he's basically an amalgamation of a lot of other characters that they've taken the stories of. And you could have just given those stories back to those characters and you don't really need, I don't think you need the Cole Young character. And the person that I think would actually make a good Johnny Cage is Lewis Tan. (laughs) (laughs) Like the dude is a good fighter. He's a handsome guy. Like you could believe that he's an action star. Like I think he would have made a good Johnny Cage. Yeah. And use some of that like innate charisma that like was completely absent during this movie. Right. Yeah. I just don't know how Simon McCoy got this directing gig. This is like his first directing credit. Like, he's a music video director. Is this too big for him, you think? I think it's too big for him, unfortunately. I mean, obviously in in retrospect, but like, you gotta start somewhere though, right? I mean, it's a Mortal Kombat movie. Like, how expensive was this? $55 million. I mean, that's a like a medium-sized budget. That's a good yeah, size I feel like budget. that's not enormous. I feel like... This seems like the type of movie where you have, like, a tiny action film director who makes, like, a hit that outgrosses its budget, like, 30 times to one. Something like The Raid. And they're like, wow, this dude really can direct action. Let's fucking get him to direct Mortal Kombat. This dude directs, like, a bunch of music videos and, and random shit. Not to, like, shit on his career or anything, but he directed commercials before this. So, like... Where's the pedigree that allows him to tackle such a big IP? I mean, Mortal Kombat is a big IP. Just look at how much, uh, not money this movie made, but how many people watched it, right? Why would you not go with someone with a little more pedigree? Okay, I'm going to make a counterpoint here. Didn't Michael Bay start in commercials and music videos? Also, didn't Fincher? Or am I thinking that wrong? That I don't know if that's Well, there's true. nothing wrong with starting with music videos and like i'm just saying that like everyone's got to start somewhere i get what you're saying like it's, it's a fine point he's not like the ideal mk director right you don't go oh i can see why that makes sense he's just another guy who they gave a shot to yeah i think a lot of the commercials he did direct are like those video game commercials though i think the, like the ones like i mean i don't quote me but like i'm guessing similar to like those ones that you've seen like for playstation right where they're like live action versions of the video games like you can play on playstation like i think that's where like he came from, and I think maybe that's where someone thought, like, oh, if you can do those, and just expand it to like you know a bigger video game. And I think Amir's right. Hindsight's twenty twenty, right? Like this could have worked, and people would be like, oh, we found the ne- next great action director or, or video game director, but it just it just didn't work out this time, right? To talk about your Michael Bay point, like Michael Bay started off with Bad Boys. It's not like he came onto the scene and they're like, here's one hundred forty million dollars, you can make Armageddon or whatever, you know? Like he had to okay, work up enough. to. To that, I feel like Bad Boys was reasonably was Bad Boys not a big budget movie, and I'm just remembering the success. Nineteen million dollars. So, like with inflation, it's a pretty decent sized movie, actually. Yeah. All right. Okay. So I guess your point stands. It could have been either way. And he's got big, like 
big stars in that too. Martin Lawrence and Will Smith at the time. They're fucking huge. Like someone pushed Michael Bay. And like, I mean, like, and I mean, like deservedly so, right? Bay is really talented. But I don't know. Could this guy have ended up being a Michael Bay? I don't know, dude. Does he want to be the next Michael Bay? <laughs> oh, better than what he's doing now. One more thing for Michael Bay. He had completely dominating commercial that everyone was fucking talking about at the time. Okay, that's true. I don't know anything about fucking Simon McCoy and the commercial he's directed. Like, that, that, I mean, first of all, point, commercials yeah. are completely different now. I don't know any commercials that anyone's directed in the last, like, 15, 20 years. Also a good point. It's a completely different era, right? Yeah. Because Michael Bay directed that Got Milk commercial with Aaron Burr, right? right? That's, like, so famous. So I think that gives him some clout that Simon McCoy doesn't have. That's fair. I think that's a completely really good point. How did someone see that commercial and think, like, yeah, this is the guy who's going to blow all the shit up and all the <laughs> directs from now on? <laughs> so one last thing about uh, Mortal Kombat, and this is more of just, like, a little Easter egg, and Joe Taslim, has, he's actually he signed a five-picture deal for Mortal Kombat. So, like, you know, he has the option to return for four more movies. So that tells you something when, you know, a franchise plans five movies down the line. And there is, like, a little bit of a nod to who his character becomes in this mm-hmm. movie. Uh, at the end of the movie, you know, there's a point where his armor falls off. Most of his armor is, like, this very black kind of dark armor. And then the blue just kind of really comes from the highlights of, like, the shoulder pads and the chest piece. So once those come off, like, his suit becomes pretty much completely black. And that's actually a, a nod to who his character becomes in the Mortal Kombat franchise, which is a character called Noob Saibot. Mm-hmm. It is probably a good guess that he would probably become that character if if the movies uh, keep moving forward. And I thought that was just a really kind of clever nod to that lore. Actually, the last thing I want to talk about is, is not about Mortal Kombat. It's more just a quick general discussion. Like, this movie is not helping the discussion, right, about video game movies, right? No. Uh, we've kind of seen it from the in- inception of, like, video game movies, like, you know, like, Super Mario Brothers, like, Double Dragon. I mean, even the, like, we, we talked about the old Mortal Kombat isn't, like, critically acclaimed. I mean, video game movies do have kind of a synonymous history to, like, not being that great. They're bad, folks. Yeah. I mean, in the last couple of years, we've seen some decent ones. Alicia Vikander, Tomb Raider was, like, okay. Detective Pikachu is, like, okay. I genuinely like Sonic the Hedgehog. I don't think it's, like, the best movie ever of, you know, 2020, but I honestly enjoyed it. I hear good things about it. Yeah, I honestly really enjoyed it, and I thought it was a lot of fun, and, like, they're making a sequel, and I'm I'm not against watching that sequel. Like, I think, I, I think it's going to be fun. So, like, that's, like, the only one I think I can think of that maybe people, when you, when you talk about it, like, is above average versus, like, I think everything else is, like, below average. Like, do you guys think we'll ever get over that hump? I don't know. Maybe. I mean, I can see there being a good video game movie at some point. Because, like, games are a different medium from movies, but there are games out there with really good cinematic interesting stories i mean you're always gonna be missing a piece right which is that you're not playing through the story yourself which is part of what makes it cool in a video game you're making those choices you're seeing things unfold you've i don't know struggled through the game to get to that bit of the story whatever it is that makes it cool but and so you're always gonna be missing that component but there are games with complex enough and interesting enough stories 
that I could see you making a movie about them um, and having it be good. Like, isn't there like a Last of Us movie coming out? So I was going to bring this up. So like the two that I see coming forward, like in the near future, that potentially could quote unquote be good is there is a Uncharted movie that's starring Tom Holland that's in production or maybe I've already uh, ended production. And there is a Last of Us series that's going to be on HBO. Um, that's not a movie, but I mean, it's still like in the kind of TV film medium. I, I'm looking forward to the Last of Us series because I, I played the games and I really enjoyed the story. And I think that maybe TV could be a better medium than a movie to maybe, you know, basically flush out the story and flush out those characters. Because also the, the, the way that game plays is very episodic. So it, it kind of lends itself to TV. I think these adaptations have to like walk a very tight line between like a mere, like you said, getting a good story, but also like scratching that itch of that endorphin release of like mashing buttons, right? It's very, very hard to, to do. But I feel like you just need that pedigree, a really great filmmaker and storyteller, which I think the last of us has the best potential of hitting right because because that series looks incredible and that's only going off of the casting and and the talent involved that that thing is is insane our joel lead is going to be pedro pascal yeah which is crazy ellie is supposed i don't know her name but is is a little laura marmont from game of thrones right i think that would be an exciting exciting matchup to see those two I know they recently announced the character of Tommy, but I can't remember who's playing Tommy. But yeah, like you're saying, the casting is good. Like at least so far. Like I'm, I'm, I'm down for this. So that is the one I'm, I'm most excited to see. And you know, crossing my fingers that it, it's, it's good. Craig Mazin is the creator who did Chernobyl. Oh, nice. So we got a lot of good pedigree on this, and and it, and it looks. Very, very promising. But there's been other promising people attached to video games and they turn out to be dog shit. So Duncan Jones with the Warcraft movie, that movie was horrible. And I like Duncan Jones. He directed Moon, he directed Source Code. Good sci-fi director. And definitely just dropped the ball on on the Warcraft movie. (laughs) Depends what you want to, right? Like, if you're committed to, like, a live-action sort of normal movie, I think the scale for disappointment is much greater because you're grading it against those things. But like, for example, there was like a Dota 2 anime recently. I enjoyed it because I enjoy Dota 2 and I enjoy anime, but it's like, would would I have enjoyed that if it was a live action movie? No. Would it have worked in that format? No, not really. You know, you have to kind of take things as they are. And like, I don't know, there's just an extent to which a lot of games are just never going to work as a movie because... They either don't have the story or what's good about them is in the gameplay or the exploration or there's so many aspects of games that just are not going to translate into a movie really well. Right. And like, that even goes for games with good stories. Like something like – I'm thinking of something like uh, Metal Gear Solid, right? Which like has like a really good story but I think it doesn't work so much as a movie even though I think they have tried and will probably try again. But there's so many aspects of what makes that game good that are about the gameplay. Even, like, God, isn't there even, like, a fight where, like, you have to, like, switch your controller or something mid-fight or something like yeah, that? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, like... It's like a like, psychomantis s- fight. Yeah, like, this is stuff that, like, where you're using the actual medium of the game and and it is a game. You're not trying to make it be a movie. 
I think that's okay. And I think that's a good thing, but that also means that it's probably not going to work well as a movie. It means the adaptation is going to be difficult. I think it just comes down to being aware of the limitations of your source material. I mean, they're still trying to make that Metal Gear Solid movie. I think Jordan Vogt Roberts is attached to direct, who directed uh, Kong Skull Island. So who knows? I mean, it's it's tough. Well, and I also think that there's an issue with Jeff. You've kind of brought this up, like the people that are creating these video game adaption adaptations, right? And you know, I'll, I'll use the example of like comic book movies. Like, I think we're now starting to see like more and more creators, like directors, and people behind these movies that actually have like grown up with comic books, like right? They understand the characters, so they understand the kind of stories they should be telling. Versus like video games in like comparison don't have as long of a history as comic book movies or comic books and especially like early video games don't really have like story baked in right like this is a good example mortal Kombat doesn't really have a story uh, like a really rich story baked into the very you know early installments of it right so it's like you have this issue of like people that aren't like excited or know the property like creating these these things and then but then you also have the problem like the people that are growing up with it like like i remember halo was one of the big ones that a lot of people were like halo halo we're gonna get a halo movie or gonna halo something but like now if you try to create a halo movie do people really want that like it's a property that's kind of dead nobody really plays anymore no one really talks about and like that's also the problem with video game movies right there's like short cycles i think to video games some video games yeah, I feel like you could make a good Halo action movie and people would go see it. Well, Neil it's, Blomkamp was attached to that for the longest time and that yeah. kind of fell through. Yeah, I think the longer you get away from a property, the less likely it will. Well, for sure. Halo maybe is one that... Okay, even if Halo's dead right now and, it, and the movie can't cost off nostalgia, Halo's a good example of a movie that would just work as an action movie. Mm-hmm. Like that would just be totally fine as an action movie and it would be cool. And it could totally whip ass. Like, that one would work. I don't think there's that much difficulty adapting that. Just wake me up when they adapt Pong, all right? I want to see a <laughs> Pong movie. Or Joust. Let's go. If that's all, I think that will conclude this week's episode. Uh, Jeff, where can people find you? You can find me on my blog at Strange Harbors. And you can also find me on Twitter and Instagram at Strange Harbors. What about you guys? Uh, you can find me here on the podcast. Uh, what about you, Derek? Uh, you can find me at the wrong Dayk, Dayk spelled D-A-Y-I-K, and that's for Instagram and Twitter. If you like this podcast, the easiest way to support our podcast is to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, whether it be Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or any of the other popular podcast apps. If you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts, please do us a favor and give us a great star rating. It really helps to get our podcast out to more people. Yeah, and if you have any questions, comments, suggestions about anything in general or Mortal Kombat, shoot us an email at jeff at strangeharbors.com. We like to read the emails out on the pod, and we love hearing from you guys. So shoot us a line at jeff at strangeharbors.com. Mortal Kombat is out now on HBO Max. If you want, you can go see the original 1995 movie, which is much, much better than this. (laughs) But yeah, we will see you guys next week. See you next week, everybody. See you guys then.